uh, St. Louis Sam said, how deep can you go in the fryer with your certification? (laughs) (laughs) Till it hurts. Recorded live. Scuba Obsessed Weekly Podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba news. Scuba Obsessed episode 253 is recorded live August 27th, 2015. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Jolson coming to you from the southwest side of the great state of Michigan. We are approaching the end of summer. Where did it all go? Joining me this week, we have Mac, the dive mentor. How are you doing today, Mac? I'm doing very well. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's just hard to believe that this summer is almost gone. I, did... I mean, the hard water is coming upon us. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be crispy before we know it. And if you listen to the Farmer's Almanac, it's supposed to be a really, really hard winter. You know, I have heard rumors that people in Georgia are already seeing... Uh, geese flying down both east coast and west coast they said the geese are already moving well i know the moles are staying deep and that's normally an indication that it's going to be a hard winter when they stay deep already yeah so which means thick ice good ice ice. we could have some good ice we have not had to use I, i have yet to have to use a ladder to get into the ice hall we should go to minnesota one year and just do that do that (laughs) little little hooks in the ladder and it drops on in i'm all for it we should do a road trip for ice dives i'm ready let's maybe that's what you do you'll you'll be all diving by then so we could we could just make uh 2016 the year of diving well i i told the doc by the way i said uh i ain't missing my diving in december he said well all the everything should be stitched up and healed up so i'm at the minimum i will dip my my new year's ice dive and that's my plan and I'm looking for another place. You know, I took my uh, nephews to uh, Oshkosh. Yes. And then I took them down to the Ren Fair. We had a good time. So I told them, all right, I think of another adventure. It's either gold, cost, gold prospecting down in Colorado, which I think would be cool. That would be fun. Or I told them I'd take them caving. Uh-huh. And take them to a caving class uh, down there in uh, southern Kentucky uh-huh. or northern Kentucky. Because you can go down there and take a class, go in four caves, and get them a certification. No, nice. not, nothing, nothing dramatic, but that's the same place I tried to find for the club to go down and dive a cavern lake. Nice. Yes. Especially if we can do that, because we'd spend the night there in the cave. When I called her to talk to her about this, you know what her comment was? What? But it's dark in there. It's like, yeah, that's what flashlights are for, but it's dark in the water. That's what underwater flashlights are for. She had a hard time understanding why when it comes to caving and then dive in the water. Like, that's dangerous. It's like, excuse me? You're already in the cave. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to look into that because that would be a fun thing for the club. I I'd, I'd like to do both. I wouldn't mind doing the, the caving myself. Well, if you're interested, I'll get that squared away and let you know because I'm going to take my nephews, uh, 14 and 17. Uh-huh. Going on eighteen, and uh, it's a father and son type stuff. You can elect to do the one where you spend the night in the cave. Uh huh. That sounds interesting. If my back will take it, 
Yeah. You know, you got whatever you take in, you have to take out. Yep. Pack in, pack out. Yep. Yeah. And I mean everything, if you don't Yeah, know I, mean. I know. They get yeah. the, little, the little scoopy baggies. But hey, that might be something for you and your kid. Yeah, I think so. I, uh, he's uh, 15, so I think he'll be he'll be up for I'll it. I'll keep you in mind for that. And if we can parlay that into some diving later now, that'll even be better. Yeah. We'll see. Then we got built-in uh, uh, dive shrimpers. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I about that part. That's smart. Yeah, they're they're much more fit than we are for for hauling gear. I'll bring some gunga dins. Yeah. Of course, we we can only you can only use that trick once. The next once they get wind of it, then the the second time they they kind of find excuses. Yeah, I I, I think that the caving would be a little closer than doing the uh, gold prospecting. But man, I start looking at some of those pictures and stuff. I wanted to go to Burning Man this year too, and I just get <laughs> Burning Man. See, we got to do that as a. We need another podcast just for give us an excuse to go to Burning Man. We don't need an excuse. All we got to do is go. Yeah, would you go? I'd go. Yeah, why not? Oh hell yes! Yeah, why Road not? Trip. Well, they they, they they got a big maker culture that goes on there. They got a lot oh, of you tell me about people it. doing those moving pieces of artwork. It's oh certainly. yes. Yeah. Well, let's see. That's another thing we ought to look into. Yeah, Burning Man. Yeah, I, okay. I I just need yeah. I get excited talking about this kind of stuff. <laughs> well, let, let's go ahead and uh, jump right on into news. I want to thank everybody who's in the chat room. Have a couple visitors. We record live every Thursday. We're thinking about changing it up. I haven't decided what we're going to do if we'll keep the chat room going or not. So if you want to get in the chat room, you need to do it before we figure out on doing something else. Uh, you know, we used to we used to be not uncommon to have. I mean, we had we've had up to over twenty in the chat room before and it seems to have kind of waned off uh, it's kind of summer so i mark it up to that but but in the chat room you get to follow along we'll give you show notes especially for this first one i think we have to give them show notes well they have to be able to look at the pictures yeah so this one and in this week's articles matt came up with i had my list and then he had his and i said ah we'll just go with max well, I told you I'd try to share the load a little bit. Yeah, sure. I appreciate it. I, I, I like that. Or, or maybe what we need to do, we'll have, to, we'll have to think of another, maybe some alternate formats. Kind of maybe like a news duel where we could try and offer complimentary news articles. We'll have to see. But this one, first one, it says 20 marine mammals you didn't know existed in Singapore until they were found dead. <laughs> so, so what's the idea behind this, Mac? Is this... Uh, uh, beach fodder. Yeah, they, well, it's, remember we were talking about last week about some of the algae blooms we're having here in yeah. Lake Erie and killing fish. Well, that's what they apparently had there. It's due to higher water temperature, and they allowed the tiny organisms in the water to reproduce. And these include algae, which meant they had an algae bloom. And what that did is it absorbed the oxygen and yeah. created dead zones in the water, meaning no oxygen. Fish would go through that. Slow-moving animals went in there and suffocated. Yeah. So it's not a good thing. So the article itself is interesting because we're having the problem here and many other places. But when you take a look at the the pictures or the, the, the selling feature for this one. Yes. To see what effect, you know, saying fish died. Well, look at the different variety of fish and you really have to take a look at the pictures. And these aren't like I've seen a lot of these fish, but you've never seen them quite like this. Like the first one is a stars and stripes puffer. He is a big boy, isn't he? Looks like a beach ball. Yeah. Yeah, and they show somebody standing next to him w- with tennis shoes on. And, yeah, I'd say he's about 11 or 
size 12 on the tennis shoe. And this puffer looks to be, I mean, it could be camera angle, but he's bigger than the guy's tennis shoes. Yeah, and he looks like he's got the, the, the elf ears. Yes. <laughs> Doesn't it? Yeah, the, his fins are kind of pressed up against the side of his body, and he's got these And little, an eyeball looking at you looks like it's saying, hey, what are you looking at? Yeah, and he's got a little bit of a beak in the front, too. Yeah. And then the, that pipe conger? Yep, pipe oh. conger, scientifically known as the Marna Sox. I, if I saw that, I'd think it was a snake. Yeah, you wouldn't think of you wouldn't naturally associate that with something in the water. No, it Very would scare me. Eel like, kind of a little bit of a garish mouth. Yes. Uh, and I'd say it looks about three feet long. Looking at the shoe by it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then the third one is a seahorse of indescript species. But a good shot of it, both of the fin, the ta- excuse me, the tail and the size of it. Very mm-hmm. descriptive. I don't know if that's a female, though. I Well, I thought it was, but I'm not sure. I, I'm starting to get an idea that these are the same shoes in all these shots, so it's the same person took yes. all the photos. Yep. Then another puffer, a blue spotter puffer, and this one looks a little bit more like a, a more of a bass. Yeah, but that's a big fish. Yeah. I mean, that's that's three shoes big. Yeah. And yeah, so that's, what, two and a half wide. Yep. Now, that fan-bellied file fish is a weird-looking duck. Yeah. It looks a little bit like... Uh, from Finding Nemo, what was her name? Dory. Dory. It looks You're a little right. bit like Dory, but with a more of a like a a longer head. And uh, she has the coloration of they. You know those circles they give you for color blindness. Find yeah. the number. Yeah, that's does, what she looks like. Yeah, it kind of looks like you know. Maybe that's like a colorblind test there. I don't know. It looks like the Star David in the middle of her, but I don't know. Yeah, it does have have that shape. And then the black eel tail catfish. And that's an ugly-looking sucker. The head looks huge compared to the body. Mm-hmm. And, of course, our favorite, the moray eel. But you see the number of fish around the moray. Yeah, they got quite a few there. Yeah. So this this had to have been a stinky beach at this point. Oh, can you imagine? Now, what do you think of the frogfish? Kind of looks like an anglerfish to a certain extent. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. It, it kind of has that mashed potato kind of look with fins, and there's like a protrusion that may be coming out the nose. It's hard to tell. Yeah. And then a porcupine fish. Now, I would not have known that if they had not moved it up. And then you could see the spines along the whole body. It almost looks like a cucumber, not a cucumber, almost like a uh, purple um, eggplant with yeah. spikes on it. Yeah. Yeah, I would have. I would not have guessed that's what it was. And then a tripod fish. I, I'm not familiar with that one. That's a, that's No, a, but he does have a pointed nose, doesn't he? Yes. And then a toadfish. Now, that's, a, that's another weird one. Yeah. I wonder how deep they had the the algae bloom affected. Did it? Does it go all the way down? Because sometimes deeper is a little bit less oxygen to begin with. Yeah. Well, this one had to be enough to poison them, basically. Suffocated them. And then a horseshoe crab, who looks like he's had some better days. And that's, that's an odd picture. I really can't visualize it. Obviously, it looks to be upside down. Yeah, it's I upside like down. Right side up, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah you can see have... the belly and, the, and the, the feet. Yeah. I wonder what the top looked like. It was smooth or not like a hubcap. Yeah, usually they got kind of the little Klingon bumps on the top of them. And when they said cuttlefish, that looks more like to me a squid. Yeah, but it it is a, it is a cuttlefish. So is it cuttlefish? Or squid? Uh, I don't think they're a squid. I, they the they may be related. Uh, you can you can tell the cuttlefish because it's also got the the little back there. It's got some fins towards the aft end, mm-hmm. and they'll and they'll they'll yep. swim around. And a dog face puffer. Yep. Had to have been a pretty small one compared to the leaves and stuff that are there. Yeah, he's it's it's next to a what a Nestle's candy wrapper. Yeah, 
and then the stellate puffer. Stellate? What is that? Stellate? Stellate puffer? S T E. That's a weird looking fish. Yeah. It looks sort of like a glob, doesn't it? It, it, it kind of looks like uh, from Ghostbusters, one of the pl- ectoplasm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and again, with that foot by the side of it for perspective, that's a pretty good sized fish, too. Yeah, he's a, he's a big boy. Soulfish? Uh, who, who happens uh, to be the. Fish I thought was interesting. You can see where he moved it to give you an impression of the foot or the what it looked like. And it yeah. does look like a soul, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, so I think he's showing us the bottom part, isn't he? Yeah, and the size of, yeah, so it looks like the bottom of your shoe. Because I think a soulfish would be kind of like a flounder, wouldn't it have the eye on one side? Yeah. And then they have the map puffer, then a reef stonefish, oh my gosh. That one looks ugly, doesn't it? Yeah, of course that looks he like must a... He one at night, because these appear to be nighttime shots. Yeah, he's he's got a, like a flash on it, kind of dark. He's still there? Yes, and the burrowing goby. Now the gobies we have look like that one, only not that long. They got a little more body to them than this one here. Yeah. Yeah, a little. That's, yeah, it's kind of a wormy looking thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they say, it looks like they saved the best for last, the fringe eyed flathead. Yeah. Big eyes. I wonder if they shine in the dark when they're looking at you. I wish you'd put a shoe by that so I could see how big that is because it looks ugly. And if it bumped up against my mask, it would probably startle me. Now that looks like something out of Beetlejuice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's and like the disturbing part is as i understand where you're coming from well it, yeah because each of them have had a character in those movies that looks like it yeah. you think we're sponsored by the movie industry i don't know they could send us a check no no but I, you know it's interesting about the algae blooms are not the only people having them but we're going to need to be doing something about it because obviously you couldn't sustain this for any length of time but no. the picture's worth a thousand words. Yeah. So if you haven't looked at the pictures, take a look at them. I think you'll find it very interesting. And that's a big deal right now in the Great Lakes. In Michigan, they've got plans that they've enacted this year, which is to help try and control agricultural runoff. Uh, the first part of the plan is for education for farmers to have them understand the importance and what they can do to help. Uh, on Lake Erie, where they, they're expecting some bad algae blooms yet this summer, uh, they've got uh, water monitoring in place, and based on the monitoring levels, they'll actually increase the filtering going on in the waste treatment plants. As a side note to that, you're talking about filtering. There was an article in the day's paper up north of us a little ways. Uh, I can't think. It's, it's, before, it's before South Haven. There's a couple of swim areas there, mm-hmm. and the water is feeding out, obviously, from the, from the land out to Lake Michigan. And it's... Um, it has all sorts of unhealthy items in it oh. that if you were to take a water sample, it would be maybe a thousand times what you would want to swim into. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, and they're trying to get people aware of that to uh, let's fix the problem since you know it's a problem. Why are we not fixing it? Yeah, you... Meaning there's something draining into it that's really bad and no one's taking the time to find out why. Okay. Let's ho- hold on for a second. We just had to get... Uh... Connect back in the chat room. For some reason, the internet's acting a little flaky tonight. Well, do we have any diehard listeners left over? Yeah, we have, we have a couple who, who have hung in there. Good. If we, if we didn't have anybody in there, I would have not bothered connecting, but we had a few. So let's see. I'm going to close that tab. And and we we'll apologize for the technical difficulties, but everybody knows computers are wonderful as long as they work. <laughs> Diver Wire which is www.diverwire.com. 
let's see. What was the one in here that you found? Was it the oarfish? Well, this one here is the oarfish, and I put in two links of it. The first one is untrusting because it was a pictorial of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, thirteen, twenty, about twenty people holding this one fish, which gives you an idea how big the fish is. Right? And it's supposed to be a little over fourteen foot, weighs over two hundred pounds. Oh wow, he's a pretty good size. Ah, uh, yeah. And then there's somebody got to be in the front with a dog. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he's going to have a snack afterwards, maybe. Yeah. But and the the second link I gave there was a, another one about oarfish because it's in the same area. Uh, but it's on Catalina Idol, I, uh, Island. Mm-hmm. This is the third one in two years that's washed ashore. And it's like, you normally don't ever see these guys. So why are you suddenly seeing them? Again, what's killing them? You know, we just talked about an algae bloom. Is yeah. there something else we don't know that's going on in that area? Yeah, and th- this is troubling if it, if you're losing these type of animals. Now, I mean, there's a chance that this is normal die-off and we just never see them. They, they sink to the bottom or they go someplace else. But uh, if you make the assumption that this is abnormal and something's causing it, then we need to try and figure out. So hopefully they're doing some sort of uh, tests on them to figure out if there's what the cause of death was. And, the, and these are large animals. So that Well, the, the one we looked at in that first picture is only 14 foot. The 17-foot one was found in June, and an 18-footer was found in October. Yes, of last year. So something's going on. And they were saying, what, it's, uh, the silver one, the one on the, we're looking at in one of the pictures, is missing its pectoral fins and tail, and that's still a huge fish, and it could have been up to 24 foot long if it hadn't lost a tail. But again, the question is, is why? And um, I didn't realize they eat qu- uh, uh, krill, and they normally are in that 600 to 1,000 foot depth. So they didn't get run over by a boat. No. So they're looking to see, was there toxins in the in the uh, krill and stuff they had in their stomach? And it didn't say, uh, you know, whether it did or did not. Uh, some of them said they had a um, hypothesized it's, it's the El Nino effect having created some issues. Yeah, because El Nino is just starting now. Yeah. Which California is hoping that gets them some rain. So, again... Another ecology aspect is why are they dying and why are they finding them? And they're deep fish. So it's a concern. It'll be interesting to see what happens and what they find out about it. Yeah. Well, now you're kind of on heightened sensitivity for it. If if another one shows up, you're starting to get statistically outside of that random event. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The chat room saying something bigger scared it to death. (laughs) They're still looking for that megalodon shark that some people still believe is out there. I think there's, you know, a lot of times... And when they find it, I don't want to be in the water when they do. No. I think sometimes there are certain animals that don't have an upper growth size. And sometimes I wonder if there's certain sharks that might be that way. I, I just remember seeing that one pictorial taken from a helicopter of what they, they hadn't figured out what it was. But that boat was like 80 foot long and the object under it was bigger than the boat. How about the one where they had the uh, the picture of the World War II submarine that was surfaced and there was a fin behind it, yes. the submarine, and yes. it was huge. It was like the, yes. yeah. Some some people say there really is a, a you know a megalodon, a megalodon still out there, a live one, and some of those pictures. And you're talking World War II shots on a submarine versus a current one versus this last one, which was only a couple of years ago. There, we still have only seen one photo of a giant squid alive in the water. So there's, it's not outside the realm of possibility that there are bigger items in the water that we are not aware of. Well, again, we go down to 1,000 feet, most of our subs, maybe 2,000 if you're Russian. And you got how much? 
25,000 to 30,000 feet to go. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff we don't know. And sending down a little bath sphere, looking out of a little window is nothing. It's not even a drop in the bucket. Yeah. Well, it's like, imagine if you went into uh, pick a nature preserve in your state and you just looked out of the rear left window of your car. And if anything didn't walk by that, then it didn't exist. And it's nighttime. And it's nighttime. It's it, true. It's dark. It's not in your flashlight. You didn't see it. Well, here we have one where a dive master gets six months for killing an eagle ray. A dive master of a dive shop was found guilty of killing and getting a protected spotted eagle ray. Was was uh, sentenced to a maximum prison sentence of six months. Superior Court Associate Judge Joseph N. Comancho ordered Hugh G. Fang to serve the sentence day for day without possible parole, probation, early release, or other similar programs. After the hearing, the judge directed court-martial to take Fang to the Department of Corrections to start serving his sentence. Fang, 27, a Chinese national, was given credit for three days of time served. <laughs> so he, they gave him three days. So he's got three days of that six months taken care of. Yeah. Now, this is, is not in California where some people think it is, but we're talking about Saipan. It's still a commonwealth of the United States is why it's covered. But again, again, under the ecology aspect, you know, you just don't do that. And this guy knew better. But it shows you people are paying attention. And part of it was, if you're going to take a picture of something stupid, don't post it. Because yeah. how would they have known had they not taken a picture and put it on some type of social media? And that's what really got them caught. Or by conversely, is take pictures of the, the stupid people doing stupid things, and they'll stop. Oh, here, here's what with some of the damning information. Uh, the group had already caught fish to be eaten. Defendant was heard saying not to take any photos because it was illegal to kill an eagle ray. So they, yeah. that must have mean that he was on video saying that. Yeah. And there, I looked on a different site and I have pictures of it on the boat. He didn't take it. A little bit on the stupid side. Yep. Defendant knew it was illegal to kill an eagle ray. Yes. Defendant used a spear gun and killed an eagle ray. Yes. And a dive master to boot. Yep. So he knew better. attractions for that area other than normal catching fish is the wildlife and the eagle ray specifically for video and taking pictures. Yep. Well, why would you need to take it? Well, they also eat those. Oh, they eat eagle rays? Yeah, they they will eat that. And that was part of the, the item they were talking about. I don't know, it's like rhino horn or something. Yeah, they said uh, he is now out of immigration status and will be likely deported to China after he completes his sentence. So this is a U.S. paper then, Saipan? I didn't realize Saipan was a U.S. area. It's a commonwealth. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Huh. Now, the next one is interesting, too. Is this the 25 kilograms? Yes. So here we have a scuba diver. At least they're calling him a scuba diver. Uh, was caught with 25 grams of cocaine after coming out of a secret Mexican smuggling tunnel. Yeah, 50 pounds of that stuff has got to be worth a little bit of money. Yeah, he was found in California. He had scuba gear. He pleaded guilty to one count of possession of drugs with intent to distribute in San Diego Federal Court, a crime which he could face 20 years in prison. Border Patrol agents found Padella with a wetsuit near the, uh, was it, Calexico, California, city mm -hmm. on the Mexican border. They also found a scuba tank fitted with a rebreather. What, what, what they meant was I had no clue what that was. Yeah. But it was a rebreather unit. So he had had a rebreather unit so that the bubbles wouldn't be seen on the surface. 
which if it's in a tunnel, so from what I understood is that this is a tunnel where the middle of the tunnel was flooded. Yes. Was he a concern that maybe the, well, I guess if you were on the other side of the tunnel staking it out, and then you saw bubbles come up, you'd wait for him. Yeah. It's like, why would I not do that at night when you couldn't see me or my bubbles? Yeah. Well, I'm thinking if you can do that, why would you even need the uh, need to use a tunnel other than you could get a little bit deeper? So the well, he, if, if you dug your tunnel down from your house out into the water, yeah. underwater, and then oh, I see, and out without them being able to even see what you're doing. Oh, so maybe the tunnel was just at the either end, and then you had open water in between. Yeah. Okay. It, it's it's hard to tell from it, but they said they he uh, he led police to a 45 meter tunnel, which led to a house and. Mexicali, just over the border in Mexico. The drugs were transported down the tunnel via trolley system before the divers retrieved it from under the water on the other side. Drug smugglers will try anything to move their product and even scuba dive in an underwater tunnel. Padella claims that he had no other options. He was told he'd be helping to get people across the border. Once he made the USA, he was forced into drug smuggling. And the only thing interesting to me, another aspect is when we're diving up in St. Clair. Yes. And I I may have mentioned it before which is just, you know, Canada's on one side, we're on the other, a little imaginary lines in the middle. Every time we dove up there, lately, we now have the Border Patrol watching us to make sure either we didn't come from Canada and we're trying to get into the States, or by the same token, you're smuggling stuff in. Yeah. Because well, remember last year we did have a case in that yep. same area where they were bringing drugs across. Yeah, they've, they've had problems with that. But they're wise to you people. Yeah, I do not recommend smuggling cocaine with a rebreather. And it definitely does not go good as your scrubbing agent. Absolutely not. I mean, it sort of looks like soda soap, but. <laughs> that would. But you'd probably be so high you wouldn't care. <laughs> yes. And then we've got, what is this next one? Pennsylvania. Yeah, I was just going through some stuff and it talked about divers discover scuba destinations in Pennsylvania. And it's like, excuse me, I have to look at this one. And they're, they're talking about from someplace that's 100 miles away from the ocean, what are we diving in in Pennsylvania? You just don't think of diving Pennsylvania. And basically, they were talking about what we do, river diving. And they were talking about artifacts, fish, all sorts of plants and vegetation, shipwrecks, and historical artifacts attracted people to take up scuba diving, especially in that area. Because if you go back, their vintage of history is older than ours. Yeah, they've, they've got at least a couple hundred years on us. Yes, and they didn't talk about their antiquity laws, but uh, they did talk about stuff they were finding, which I found extremely interesting. It said but bottles it really, from really the nice old one. Clinton Bottle Works. Yes. Uh, old sand barge. You can find parts of old railroad cars. We get a lot of people who have had an opportunity to travel to exotic islands, and once they get there, scuba becomes something they want to do. Best explained, but when they look at the river, first they're turned off. He says a lot of people look at the Subsequana River and think, ugh, but there's a whole different world under the water here, and they don't realize that. They sometimes find out that it is not as expensive or as difficult as they thought as they become local divers, the enthusiasts. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's that's what we find. Well, like this, and you know, any old swimming hole can be a diving site, and who's to say what they lost? They're talking about the diving sites are available near quarries at Dutch Springs, near Bethlehem, where sunken buses, helicopters, and wrecks are available. It's like, God, most of the guys I know would kill to go out there and, yeah. and find cars and buses and helicopters. Yeah. Well, you figure they've got to have some nice quarries there as well. There's yep. got to be all sorts of diving opportunities. But they go through it, and they did talk about the lure of artifacts, finding lost items underwater, and finding the unknown. And that's what I think drives a lot of us. 
It's a, it's, a, it's a new experience every time. Right. And with non-salt water, you don't have to wash your gear as much. Yeah. Yeah, you're washing it as you're diving. Yeah. And then here, here here's where we, we turn dark for a while. Four tourists go missing while scuba diving in Indonesia's Borneo Island. Yeah, I went, you know, looking at what we talked about and some of the issues we found through the years, uh, and a lot of it was more in Asia or other places than the States. So diving can be deadly, and this is some examples. The one you're talking about here, the four tourists, that's in uh, Jakarta, Indonesia's Borno Island. Yeah, which isn't too far from Singapore. Yeah, they had a group of six identified as five Italians and a Belgian headed out for uh, Sangalaki Island, a popular dive spot in the East uh, Kalimantan province on Saturday. Provincial search and rescue chief uh, told, which is AFP, which must be the name of the newspaper, uh, two Italians were among those who went who went snorkeling were safe, but four others comprising three Italians and a Belgian who went diving reported missing Saturday evening. We sent out rescue boats to look for them, as well as comb the beaches surrounded areas, but so far we have found no traces of them. Currents here's, are, a, here's a good one right there. Currents are strong, waves up to two and a half meters. You're going to snorkel in two and a half meters of waves? No, no, I'm, I'm not. going to say, what the heck are they doing? Yeah, that uh, we don't even you know you have to be in a pretty big boat to even be out in conditions like that. Uh the state news agency reported a local guide accompanying the divers has been found safe as being treated at a hospital. It said Indonesia is a popular scuba diving destination in Asia, but accidents have been reported in recent years. Two of seven Japanese divers were killed in a diving trip off the resort island of Bali in February of last year. A lot of the items, I looked at another one on that same item. They were talking about, looking according to an official report, the divers that finished a third dive couldn't find the speedboat on the surface. Now, I'm using their terminology. Mm-hmm. The local guide left his tank with the missing divers and tried to swim to shore to look for the speedboat, basically to, to find assistance. Now, why would the guide leave his tank with the other divers? It really makes me wonder what the heck were they doing. That means, to me, they were on the surface. Right. And then he tried to swim for help, basically. Yeah. And it said he didn't. He, he wasn't able to to uh, reach shore. Drifted for hours. Was found almost drowned by a passing speedboat. Another speedboat aspect that was assisting searching for divers. Uh, he survived and he got medical attention. Uh, the speedboat with the two snorkelers or dive boat. They they searched till it got late, but due to the bad weather, bad weather and rough seas, again two and a half meters. They were forced to stop the search and, and did not find them. And they said, hopefully the divers are safe and stranded on one of the islands there. Uh, I'm going to say I don't think so. No. But, again, you got to know when to say no, people. No, the, you check your weather conditions. Also, what kind of safety yeah. gear did they have? Did any of them have safety sausages? It did not say a word about that, but by the same token, would you get out of a boat in two and a half meter waves? No, I was no. <laughs> Absolutely not. The way you get out of a boat in two and a half meter waves is when the boat sinks underneath you. <laughs> that's yeah, that's when you get again, out of how are, how are you gonna get back on that boat that's going up and down in two and a half meter waves? Well, it's easy to get back on. The wave just flops you in the deck. <laughs> After it beats you to a pulp. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, unless it comes down on your head. Yeah. But oh. uh bottom line, use your own common sense and know when to say no. Yeah. Then here we have a, should have been saying no. And then we have here, here's another one where a British tourist was struck down by the bends on a scuba diving trip in the Maldives after it took nine hours to get her to a decompression chamber. 
An inquest heard that uh, Melanie Studart, 38, died of decompression sickness shortly after arriving in the Indian Ocean Island for a 12-day holiday with her boyfriend. There's a delay in uh, Ms. Studart's receiving medical help because there was initially no boat or plane to take her to the hospital. And upon her arrival at the hospital, medics did not even treat her for decompression sickness. The inquest in her own death was told her parents, Peter, 68, and Irene, 64, slammed into sheer incompetence of the authorities on Maldives and warned other tourists to take note before booking similar trips. The inquest in Chesterfield, Derbyshire, heard how Miss Stoddart, an experienced diver fern from uh, Prestwich in Greater Manchester, had arrived in Maldives on April 1st, 2012, with her boyfriend, Steve Greathead. She had been in the same holiday a previous year. On the third day of her organized trip, she was in a party of 12 holiday makers and two instructors who went to Vavu Atoll, for the last scuba dive of the day, just after 3 p.m., the inquest told her uh, was told she returned to the surface after about 30 minutes and asked for medical help as she was feeling unwell. Doctors were called and she was taken to an exclusive Almeida Aquatic re- Resort nearby. When it became clear condition was deteriorating, the resort's doctor said she needed to be taken to a decompression chamber, but there's no transport available. A speedboat only arrived from neighboring Bandos Island, more than 40 miles away, when insurance checks had been carried out. Yeah, got to make sure you got insurance before we'll treat you, lady. Yeah, a doctor sedated Miss Sodart, but decided she was not stable enough to be put in the decompression chamber. She was then transferred for a second time by boat six miles to the capital of, uh, I can't say if that's Molly or Male. Male. Where, where CT scans of her head and chest were taken at the ADK hospital. Because, of course, she verified her insurance. But at 2.15 a.m. the next morning, she went into cardiac arrest and died half an hour later. Doctors were called. She was taken to an exclusive... Oh, that's this is captions. Right. Uh, initially, a postmortem examination proved inconclusively and took speci- a specialist test carried out on samples of brain tissue to detect damage caused by nitrogen bubbles being present in her bloodstream. The bends is condition caused by dissolved gases coming out solution to bubbles inside the body on depressurization. Sounded like a cluster blank all the way through. Yeah, and he, they said the the father told the court his daughter was a qualified diving instructor, member of a club who have dived all over the world. See, at first when I think of bends, well, it's, is that the first way to avoid the bends is just to have a safe diving plan. So since he's an instructor, we're assuming that she had a safe plan and it was just... An unfortunate incident, but it's everything Again. after that. See, that's the other thing of it is, you, is when you travel, you know, travel with people you know and have them be your advocate. You know, well, be your own advocate because, like, I did. You take a look at the boat, the MVC Spirit, very, very nice. Look like yeah. state of the art boat. What do you look for when we go up north? What's a major item everybody has on board our boats? Beer. I don't remember no. ever seeing beer no, on any no. of our we, boats. We, actually, no, we 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 don't. Carry Everybody has a, a Dan O2 kit. Yes. Everybody. Uh, I carry one in the car. Yeah, we don't so, need it, but I got it if we need it. What you're going to do if you think you got a problem? Put them on O2, put them in Trindleberg position, and get some help. Call Dan. Yes. I mean, that's, that's it's basic. And again, then with Dan, what do you get? You don't have to worry about insurance because it's covered. And if somebody needs to get a helicopter to pick your boat, you know, don't wait for a boat. Take a helicopter. And as we're talking about that, uh, you know, this was a 10-year anniversary for Maggie. Oh, for her incident? Yes. Remember she drowned up there in that, up there, uh, I think it was off the Cedarville, actually, with Bob. Mm-hmm. Remember, are you, do you remember that or not? No, that was before I was with the club. Yeah, this is her 10-year anniversary. So, uh, she was in a coma for, I think, 17 days. 
came out, doesn't remember anything about that problem, but she's, you know, totally normal now. Mm-hmm. She doesn't do cold water diving anymore. No, <laughs> no, but she yeah. still dives. I mean, they go to but Hawaii usually, I think, every other year. Yeah, but had that been somewhere else, you know, oh, yeah. didn't have immediate facilities, immediate Coast Guard, immediate chamber availability, she'd have been dead. Yeah. So you got to look after yourself. If you're diving someplace that is a long way from a hospital and you think, well, if I'm doing deep diving and I get bent, what am I going to do? Well, if, if you can't do something, maybe you shouldn't do the dive or at least have provision so you can do something. So, again, divers beware. How do you, like you said, be prepared, you're your own advocate. And that's where, you know, because you, you said she has to be her own advocate. And we're assuming that she was conscious, but if she wasn't, you have to have somebody travel. I mean, you just don't let, you know, you just don't, if you're in a group and they're going to take her by, take somebody by ambulance to a hospital just to have them checked out, somebody needs to go or follow. Yeah. Especially in your foreign, a foreign country, they might not have the urgency. Uh, they might not have the paperwork. There, there, there could be a lot of things that go. So you need to be able to, to go and help. Yeah. Have a yeah. plan for what happens if. Yeah. yeah. And then it's, it's appropriate when you get on a boat to ask them if they've got oxygen yeah. because it's not, you know, if you can afford a boat like that, you can afford an oxygen kit. And a lot of people are now doing the AEDs with them. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, uh the defibrillators, those should be yes. on a boat as well. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the AEDs and you know, it's, it's appropriate to ask because if, if a dive operator, if every time somebody gets in the boat, they start asking about safety equipment and procedures, then they're going to make sure that they've got that because that's going to be a selling point. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Do I have good radio contact with somebody who can come help me like the Navy? Yeah. And that leads into the next one. Yeah. Let me pull this one up. This one's... Mystery surrounds the death of cave divers at Keiko Soko National Park, which is in southern Thailand, by the way. Okay. Yeah, Dmitry Dokachev, 46, died at the scene while fellow Russian national Alexander Somolotin was pronounced dead at uh, Surat Thayan Hospital. Both bodies were transferred to Vichuri Funket Hospital with a preliminary cause of death cited as decompression sickness. The Russians were with two other divers who altogether had rented out a boat and were using their own dive equipment at the time of the accident. A technical diving school manager who knew the divers explained to the newspaper. They were highly certified technical rebreather and cave divers who had done many cave dives and rebreather dives before. They knew what they were doing, said the manager, declined to be named. However, something went wrong. The group had split into two teams, with two divers exploring the wall to search for the second entrance to the cave, while the Russians planned to use the main entrance to the cave, which sits about 24 meters below the surface, uh, which is, you know, about 75 feet. According to the for anything. Yeah, according to the dive computer used by the Russians, it looks like one of them probably noticed that something was wrong. He most likely then told his buddy that he would have to board the dive and probably told the other diver to continue his dive while he sorted out the problem, the manager said. The problem was, at this stage, we don't know, she added, that has been in close contact with two surviving divers. According to his, Mr. Uh, Dokuchev's dive computer, he was at about 20 meters depth when the problem started, so he wasn't inside the cave yet. He stayed there for about two minutes, probably trying to fix a problem, and according to dive profile, shot up to the surface. Oh, so that makes you think that maybe there was a, a problem with the equipment, like uh, an inflator stuck, maybe? 
Uh, two other um, divers found him unconscious on the surface with his rebreather mouthpiece out of his mouth, but one of them began emergency resusc- rescue procedures. It'd be nice to know if they if he had any uh, gases in his tanks of the rebreather. I mean, did he go to open circuit and try and bail out? Before they found him, Mr. Salamatan must have known something was wrong, so he would have been looking for him after he finished his own decompression stops and went back down. This would have probably meant he suffered from decompression sickness, but that needs to be confirmed by a coroner, this according to the manager. The other two uh, divers located Mr. Salamatan with the help of uh, ties working on the lake, rushed him to the Saratani uh, Hospital. We visited him at the hospital. Doctors did their best to save him, but they just couldn't. It was a sad accident. I'm deeply sorry for their families. Uh, they said the officers are moving close to dive site reservoir to tourists, leaving it open for scientific efforts. We do not want to see such accidents in the future, and the reservoir is not a diving area for tourists. We'll look at the at what measures can be taken to prevent such accidents in the future. The reservoir encompassed the national park, is well known and used by the fuck it dive community, it is regularly used for recreational diving as well as certifying cave divers, as some of the caves are really easy to penetrate, providing excellent opportunities for training. However, this should be taken into account the accident did not happen inside the cave, so there wasn't a problem. must have been a problem with the rebreather, but we need to be sure. So there's a whole lot of stuff that they just don't know in this article. Uh, you know, was it decompression sickness? Was it, uh, re-breather? was it a rebreather malfunction? Was he, you know, did he, was his O2 too high? Was it too low? You know, uh, I'm assuming if he had a toxic cocktail, uh, meaning water had gotten into the loop, that they would have mentioned that. But it doesn't mention anybody really checking out his equipment. Right. But the key items is experienced people with technical gear during their dive. Two out of four died. And they didn't go. They were not deep. They were not deep. You're talking 75 feet or less. And whatever happened, happened rather quickly to overcome both of them. Well, It's and, interesting that two people had the same type of issue. Yeah, And that reminds me of when you're diving with technical divers. Is the technical divers should explain to the non-technical divers ways to help. Like if you're not a rebreather diver and you're diving with a rebreather, if that rebreather diver has a problem, do you know how to put his, his unit into an open loop so he can get, so he can rebreathe in regular gas? And that brings up a, a comment that a lot of tech divers won't dive unless the other people are tech divers for that same reason. You don't know what to do to help me. Yeah. Especially like you just said on a rebreather. Are you going to know what knob to turn for Bob? No way. Uh, not I. I have to. His old unit, I did. I'd have to. I haven't been partnered up with him on the new unit. Uh, but yeah, you, that's it. You and it can go the other way. A lot of times, technical divers don't like diving with other divers because a technical diver, especially in an op, uh, closed circuit, won't have the the amount of bailout gas that an open circuit diver would need. You know, they they probably have just enough for themselves to get out of a situation. They couldn't get both. I mean, because you're breathing his primary gas if you're. With an open circuit, with a closed circuit. And, and that's absolutely true. That was another issue that used to come back is, I have enough gas for me. You need to take care of yourself because I can't take gas. Because that's the whole purpose, right? Minimize right. how many tanks you got to have with you. Right. It's it's awkward. And uh, like you said, it would be interesting to find out if we can follow up on this to see if that was the equipment and specifically what happened on it. As a little small note on that, that Tiger Cave Temple, that's a small temple built inside a long, shallow limestone cave surrounded by a natural forest. And it's one of the Thailand's most famous meditation centers. And it took its name from a stone formation nearby, which resembles a tiger's claw. 
So again, you gotta be careful when you're diving. And then your 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 final part of the was this a the dark dark side the dark episode uh, tragedy of dive errors and this is from undercurrent.org. Uh, they published the Undercurrent magazine, and this is a this is from April, but it just kind of caps things off. When a dive industry's uh, professional gather create a quality film showing off their gear in a beautiful dive setting, you would think they have the sense to hire the right people to make it. Uh, that the dives are planned in advance, everyone is aware what other divers would be doing during the dives. It's called common sense, right? In this case, there's pretty much total lack of common sense in the planning of the dive film to be made in French Polynesia. It led to a gasp-inducing inept dive in March 2012, and it well could also be the largest payout ever to settle a dive injury-related lawsuit. Uh, to celebrate its 40th anniversary, Bear Sports, which makes wetsuits and dive accessories, hired uh, the Bonnier Corporation, the publishers of Scuba Diving Magazine, to create something memorable to commemorate the event. Bonner decided to use one of its divisions, Warren Miller Entertainment, which makes action sports films, to create a webisode featuring Bear Sports dive gear. They decided to shoot it out of the uh, Rangagoria Atoll, 220 miles northeast of Tahiti, and a specifically a uh, Tipta uh, tip Pass, a deep wide passage with a current that can rip at t- 10 knots. Yeah. When it flows from the ocean to the lagoon, making it a gathering spot for sharks, eagle rays, and other predators. But its depth and strong current means uh, the pass is not a good site for standard open water diver to jump in unprepared. In early 2012, Bonner and Warren Miller put together its team for the film, which included Michael Patrick, a Hawaiian resident hired to be an underwater cameraman for the shoot. They also hired a a Rangoria-based dive operator, Top Dive to conduct and supervise the webisode dives. On March 13th, uh, Prickett arrived, along with Tim Wilson, who worked for Warren Miller Entertainment, Peter Falk, who also worked for Bear Sports, and Ryan Mayomoto, another freelance cameraman. They met Top Diver's employees, Nicholas Bernard, Audrey Clement, who would be modeling Bear Sports gear in the webisode, as Dive Master Bernard would be in charge of the film Dives. The dive masters didn't bother to ask beforehand whether their passengers were certified nitrox divers. None were. Later that day, Prickett, Falk, Miyoto, Bernard, Clement reported to the uh, pass for their first episode dive. The top dive crew filled the tanks with 32% mix of nitrox, but neither Bernard nor staff bothered to ask whether the, the divers were nitrox divers, which none were. Bernard and Clement told Prickett to use the Sunto Vayek dive computer while Falk used a Sunto Cobra computer. However, the dive master, master hadn't bothered to ask whether the men knew how to use those computers. They would have learned that Prickett had never used a dive computer. Bernard led three divers through the dive. Falk didn't dive that day. They stayed close together following and filming dolphins. On March 14th, the group motored back to the pass where the outgoing ebb tide significantly reduced the visibility due to the uh, debris coming from the lagoon. Soon divers always ride it when the tide is coming in and the water is clear. Bernard announced that it would be a drift dive. Neither Prickett nor Falk had experienced doing a drift dive in strong currents. Bernard had not prepared a pre-planned dive profile or even prescribed the maximum depth or time for the second dive. He programmed Prickett and Falk's computers, but he said Prickett's vital Vitek computer in meters and Falk's Cobra computer in feet without telling them. 
about the differences. He gave the group a short pre-dive briefing and told Prickett, Miauto, Falk to go over the side first so they could shoot his and Clement's entry in the water from below. However, everyone was in the water. Falk immediately had problems with his mask and returned to the surface. Prickett followed him to see if he could help. After Falk got a new mask from the boat, both men rescended, redescended, only to discover that Bernard had already thinned off with Miyoto and Clement to see dolphins. Setting off in search of the dive master, Prickett Falk descended to 50 feet and found themselves in a strong down current at a peak of going tide, which dragged them down to, 100, down to 211 feet holy mackerel their 32 percent nitrox mix only allowed for a maximum operating depth of 130 feet so here you are you're this 80, is a cluster from the get-go yeah 80 feet neither man knew how to use his dive computer when they compared what they were looking at they thought they weren't reading it right because they didn't know that bernard had programmed one in feet and the other in meters Fox started breathing too rapidly and quickly and ran through most of his nitrox. Back at 100 feet, Fox signaled down to Prickett, who saw Fox pressure reading and realized he did not have enough gas to reach the surface of his own. Giving up his search for Bernard, Prickett took a hold of the agitated Falk and started to ascend. Buddy breathing with Falk, who'd run out of gas because Falk was breathing too quickly. Prickett's air also ran out at 30 feet, hence the dilemma, drown or risk getting to bends from a rapid ascent. With no choice, both rushed to the surface. At the surface, they saw the boat and shouted until they motored over to get him. Unfortunately, the diver, Manu, didn't speak much English. Neither of the two divers could make him understand DCS that loomed over them. As soon as the men climbed in the boat, Prickett started feeling the telltale muscle pains, vertigo, and lower body numbness of decompression sickness. But instead of rushing them back to shore, the non-understanding Manu kept looking for Bernard, Clement, and Miyoto, who were still in the water. The three eventually surfaced some distance away, by the time Manu got him aboard, Prickett was suffering severe decompression symptoms in his central nervous system before a group could find a safe spot to try an emergency in-water recompression. Prickett fell a deck paralyzed and unconscious, which in-water decompression isn't really recommended. Uh, top but, dive. Pardon me? But. Well, yeah, if you have no other choice. But the the reason is, is because of that right there. He... Uh, if you don't do it right, you become unconscious, and now you're unconscious underwater. Yeah, top, without a helmet, it's really chanty. Yeah. Top Dive had no recompression facility, so the two men treated were delayed for hours until they could be flown back to Tahiti, where they underwent recompression treatment. Fox spent only three days in the hospital. Prickett stayed there for more than a month and left in a wheelchair. Prickett, who still can't walk, still suffers from muscular spasms, vertigo, incontinence, and has permanent injuries to his lung, backs, and legs. He has incurred a pile of medical bills for surgery, nursing, drugs, and physical therapy, and his career as a cameraman is over. Prickett filed suit with California Superior Court claiming gross negligence by Bear Sports, Bronner, Willard Miller Entertainment for, among other things, failing to select a safe dive site, not checking their contractor's dive experience and training in nitrox or dive computers and sending them overboard into a deep, dangerous current without any markers or signaling devices. During the police investigation, Bernard says he was unaware Falk and Prickett had gone down after changing out a mask, but that didn't stop him from continuing his dive, a violation per French Polynesian law of his role as dive master to supervise all divers and make the group surface. Bernard said he thought he was in the presence of experienced divers and that Prickett had 25 years' experience. Prickett said he was only a standard open-water diver and his 25 years' experience was as a surface cameraman. Falk surface. Canvas, yeah, so what they were doing is, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk at the end. Falk had yes. less than 15 dives, none from a boat, none drift diving, none of a diving computer. And despite Bernard having a set of dive profile of 80 feet, he th he brought 
Miyamoto, who only had less than five dives, only certified to 60 feet, Mac, down to 130 feet. Bernard admitted he hadn't told the three divers beforehand they were going to breathe nitrox. What's more, a dive expert who checked the gear testified that Fox computer had been calibrated for 31% breathing mix, while actually breathing mix is 32%. This would cause the dive computer to register a deeper maximum depth than the actual mix used. Fox hypertoxic threshold was surpassed by as much as 260%. The same applied to Prickett's computer, but indicated that he was making an air dive, not a nitrox dive. Because Bernard had programmed both of their computers and set one to dispatch, uh, one to display in feet, the other in meters, and added the two divers' confusion underwater. The dive expert also testified the dive profiles recorded by Bernard and Clement's computers showed that totally different dives than the three other divers. A signal they had been independent, not been, and not dived the same dive. They had not been under dive master supervision. To top it off, investigators found the certification card of most top divers' instructors were no longer valid due mostly to not having medical checkups. Furthermore, the dives recorded on the computer grossly surpass the depths to which open-water dive clients are permitted to descend. Top divers' records show they frequently used, they frequently had more divers in groups than were permitted. Bernard had indicated to he, uh, Tahiti's criminal court in January 2013 of the many errors he had made on that dive. The trial had been postponed until later this year. Currently, he and Clement are still listed in Top Dive's website as running the dive operation back in California. Prickett civil trial started in December. Experts called to testify opine that the parties involved were making the film did a poor job in pre-planning, failed to hire experienced divers who they knew what they were doing. Bonnier and their subsidy, Warren Miller Entertainment, were the ones that selected everybody who was going to be involved at this. Brett Gillum, a defense dive expert witness for Bear Sports, testified during November 2014 pre-trial dis- disposition what they did was basically made poor selection the top dive unit wasn't properly prepared or qualified for what they were being asked to do they had they didn't have proper equipment or the proper protocols for supervision or response and they had no aspect of foreseeable contingency protocols in place in addition the supervisory role should have been played by some members of top dive team was essentially omitted completely because they tried to use Nicholas Bernard and Audrey Clement as diving supervisors when in fact their primary roles to serve as on-camera talent. It's a hopeless contradiction and doesn't work. But Bonnier and Willen, Warren Miller Entertainment hold the ultimate responsibility because no one on their team for Bear Sports Film had a diving background. They seem to think this was something they could do just like they might do a surf film or a ski film, uh, Gilliam testified. I don't think they're capable of assessing top dive in fact top dive ultimately was chosen by the tourism board because they're willing to swap their services for nothing only film footage i've been involved in scores of filming projects gilliam testified we're trying to get the most qualified team who thoroughly understands not only responsibilities that support getting the project done but also the necessary excuse me necessary response and protocols for contingencies, foreseeable hazards, how they're going to respond to that. From what I can see, every step of the way here, we have no one who really was capable of making assessment. Willison, who identifies himself specifically as producer and director, has no dive background whatsoever. I don't see how he could have made any evaluation because they didn't know what they were doing. The trial lasted five weeks. On January 13th, the second day of jury deliberations, Bonner, fearing their verdict wouldn't go his way, decided to settle. Prickett later allowed the settlement documents to be unsealed, and court records showed that Bonnier paid $7.5 million to Prickett, with Bear Sports paying another 300000 
That amount is the most on record for an out for a dive-related injury case. While it goes a long way towards compensating Prickett for losing a profession he had for 25 years, it came at the tragic expense of his health and through the malfeasance of companies that have known to hire the right people to make underwater film a strong current. In a strong okay. current. Wow. My, my point is, what about the three, five people who were getting in the water? It's like, where's your responsibility to know your own freaking limits? I mean, when you okay. dive, you check your own gear. Okay. And, and all the information we have is from this article, which I think Underwater Current laid it out in detail. But yes. if I was to speculate, and bearing in mind that I do work in the publishing industry, I can see exactly how this happened. You have somebody who's publishing a magazine. They said, you know what? This is cool. It's going to be this 40th anniversary thing for Bear uh, Sports. They pitched it to Bear Sports. Bear Sports said, sure, uh, but you've got to do it for my current contract. So so, so then you've got this magazine who, or, or maybe they threw something in, maybe they threw in a couple more, you know, I'll buy another two full page ads or something. So they then put together a team who might be good at creating articles, but had no experience. So you have on-air talent, which is AKA for models, because they need to be hot and young to be in the, the video, I'm sure. I bet if we saw photos of these two people, that's what they were hired for. You've got resumes, which are not vetted, and people, they're probably intentionally written in a way to make it, you know, puffery. You're trying, you're, you're trying to get a job. You're going to accentuate. So, you know, we don't know without seeing it, but did this guy who said he had 25 years experience, you know, how was that worded? Was he a, tw a cameraman with 25 years experience and could also do underwater? And then they assumed that that meant he was, you know, so they, there's just mess all the way around. Now, I mean, the Prickett had 25 years of experience, standard open water diver, as a surfing cameraman. That's shallow water. Yeah. Okay? The one guy, Falk, had 15 dives total, none from a boat, no drift, no diving computer stuff. And the last guy had five dives, certified to 60 feet. Why would those people even think about getting in water that's that deep with that amount of experience or lack of experience well and and why was there a plan to go that deep you know one of this part of this says it's the the current pulled them down but they're too deep even if there was no current yeah these are people oh. who you shouldn't be going more than 60 feet well you know how we handle our people we don't take them down to 60 feet we start out at 10 yes and and we make you work a while yeah. and then we get you down at 20 and then 30 <laughs> and, right uh, and and when we start going over 50 feet we like bailouts for everybody. Yeah. And, and we're not instructors. You know, no. you're, you're responsible for your own training. But if you're diving with us, we're, we're trying to make sure that, you know, we don't want to be, you know, knocking wood. We don't want to be having the helicopter rides or Coast Guard come out or things yeah. happening. And, and part of our dive plan is, okay, how deep are you going? How long are you going to be there? And it's by the clock. I don't need a computer. Computers are nice. And it gives me a nice table afterwards, but I figure mine out before I go down so I already know what my, my items are. As far as that 32% mix, hey, no big deal, as long as you don't go past 120 feet. Right. You know? Well, I and mean, that's something that know, only a nitrox diver or technical diver would know. I bet these people, they they had no nitrox. They probably had no concept of maximum operating depth. But they should have, and it's, again, the same thing. You give me a computer, I don't know how to use it, I'm going to say, What? You know what I'm saying? And if you look at the computer, it says meters of feet, but you better it check it on the surface. <laughs> yeah. I, it's just, to me, a cluster from the get-go, but I think the divers were part of the problem. 
Oh, certainly. I mean, that's the way it is with all these lawsuits is that the the person who's injured sues the 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 peop, the other people uh, even if there's responsibility because you have a responsibility. I don't I don't care. I would I don't care if you're going to give me 7.8 million dollars. I don't want to be paralyzed. Oh yeah. Well, like I said, deep, dangerous, dangerous current. That tells you something right there. Low vis. The other two, the guy with five dives should have said, "Hell no." Well, then, then the the dive operation wasn't even being compensated for this. They're doing it for the video. Yeah, but so, if somebody comes up to you and says, "I have twenty five years of experience," unless you ask to see, let me see your logbook and tell me something about what you're doing. You, if you just do that twenty five years, you go click. Okay, he knows what he's doing. Well, and then twenty five years of what type of experience? Yeah, and that's twenty five years, forty years ago. <laughs> You know, is that, and was it, is it 25 years? I did two dives a year every five years over 25 years. Well, that's 12 dives. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's, there's just so much, there's so much bad. Right. And that's why they settled. Be, yeah. You I don't found it be a wonderful item to read and review to show you what not to do, what not to take for granted. And, and, and the whole thing is, this is every mistake was overlooked and another mistake then was made. Yeah, that that chain of accident formation, you you had links all over the place. There yeah. was no chain. There was loose yeah. links. Everywhere. Well, and 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 part of the challenge of this also is that you have an employer employee type relationship going on, and nobody wants to be known as the troublemaker. You know, the show must go on, break a leg, all that stuff. And and what do we what do we always say in ours? You don't have to have any reason whatsoever to say no. Right. And nobody makes fun of you. That's the first thing we teach everybody. Yeah. You don't feel like going, you say, nope, don't even have to give a reason. Yep. And nobody better give you a hard case, you know, a hard time about it. Yeah. And you can have all sorts of stuff. And there's a lot of times where people have called a dive and then three days later had something serious, non-dive related that would have been bad to go underneath. And they, yeah. And we know some people in the club who's done that. Yes. Yeah. yeah you they can, know when to say no. Yeah. Yeah, if you're not feeling good, it's not worth it. There's other dives. You know, no, we, a, this is a wonderful thing to read if you're ever going to do any kind of business working to show you what can go wrong, will go wrong. Yep, and Dan is a great resource if you want to get some ideas. Uh, Divers Alert Network, you should be a member and uh, read a lot of their, their things. They're going to have stories very similar to this. Yeah, go to, go. matter of fact, even if you're not, go to Dan's site, look up their classes, their their pamphlets, their experience aspects, you will learn a lot just reading their literature. Wow. And their little mini classes. You know, we, okay. we've, we've, been, we've been going on here, and we yeah. are at, uh, we've, we're over an hour and 15 minutes. So let's, uh, do we want, have, I mean, I haven't done any diving. Have you done any diving? Well, we had the, uh, we had the club picnic last weekend. Right, okay. And it was a combo of uh, drift diving and grubbing and kayak. So we had a little bit of everybody out there. And uh, if you haven't looked in the uh, the pictures, you're talking about jugs and crocs and nice bottles already. Uh, they were supposed to do a Thirsty Thursdays. That may be why Jim is not here. They were going to hopefully dive the river again because it's now nice. Visibility was at least three feet. Uh, they went back out on Sunday, matter of fact, after we dove Saturday. And uh, that's when you started seeing the ceramic bottles Yes. and croc. Yes, and very, then very nice. I I heard, and I hate to ruin Jim's, so that he'll probably remind us when he gets on the show, but I understand there was something he found that he had not found before. Yes, the, the, the multi-year... Uh, is that a curse? Crusade, or whatever <laughs> the word for it is. Quest. Quest, that's it. He actually found a 
Hutchie bottle. It was a long neck Hutchie. Uh, ta-da! So now that's done. And see, and you weren't in the water, so we know that you didn't stage it. I did not salt it, no. <laughs> uh, but oh. uh, it, it was good. And uh, again, uh, John, uh, one of our new divers with us, it was his first like river dive. Uh, Kaplan shallow, less than seven feet. He came back with a bunch of stuff. Oh, you, some so that, he was very happy. I, I have uh, tortoised in the river before. We got my tank hanging out of the water. Some of the best stuff you can find in about three or four feet. Yeah, it's yeah. You don't have to be out deep to go grubbing, man. I mean, you can do it with a snorkel. The other helped. I mean, like Maribeth brought back first thing she's got is a big uh, clutch plate. Happy with that. Uh, like I said, everybody had a good time. They got so enthused. That's why they went back Sunday, and they were doing even better. The night was supposed to be another wreck or uh, river dive. And this weekend, uh, it's already planned to go out to the Havana 1 and the Havana 2, drag a line from uh, the standard Havana to Havana B, and start trying to confirm, is that really two wrecks or one wreck? Now, back to the river dive. Yes. We've had some cur- some high current probably for about a month Yeah. in the river. So had it slowed down? Yes. Uh, within 40, 50 feet of shore, you had no current. Mary Beth and them were out there saying, there's no current out here. Wow. And, uh, and, and then we just watched Jim go thump, 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 right across, and it's like, wasn't any current. It's like, what? Okay. It was great. Yeah, so that tells me that maybe they were raising the dams upstream and it were just perfect time. Yes. So you if you had that so if you had that high current, that meant you've you cleared a lot of the surface silt and the leaves and things that normally bury stuff up. So it's you can't beat the time to get in. Wow. Oh, this, the river diving has now started. It has started. Excellent. Yeah. It, it's, I, I like you it. You got to get out there. It does. Yeah, I had, I was at the youth fair. I was. I can't tell you how many thousands of corn dogs I cooked. How many did you eat? I only had three. <laughs> I had one per. No, wait. I said three. I I I, I cooked five days, so I had five corn dogs. So I had a corn dog each day I cooked. But I I did mostly. I mean, I was cooking corn dogs. I cooked. I am now an ex. I've cooked everything that the corn dog booth can cook. So I I can now do cheeses. So I've got my deep fryer certification. I'm sure my doctor's happy. <laughs> <laughs> so I, but it was fun. It's it, what, for those who don't know is that we have the Berrien County Youth Fair, and one of the top selling booths there is done by the Friends of Berrien Springs, which is a a junior achievement, not junior achievement, a uh, what was it, junior chamber of commerce, JCs. Yeah, it's a JC group that in the '70s everybody aged out, so they they formed the new group called the Greater the the Friends for Berrien Springs, and they just all the money, all the proceeds from what is made that week at fair go to charities, and then all the staff is from that core charity of about seventeen people, and there's about a hundred volunteers from churches, and I was with the band boosters. So you put in hours, and your charity gets funds from it. So every year back in the community, I'd say it's several hundred thousand dollars that goes back. Uh, all for corn dogs, best corn dogs, dollar seventy five for a corn dog or a cheese stick or a deep fried cheese, uh, uh-huh. brats, veggie dogs for those who don't partake partake of meat. Nothing like a vegetarian hot dog deep fried. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was fun, and the, and uh, my kids were showing at fair, and I was com- nearly completely unplugged. Uh, didn't check email, didn't do anything. So if you sent us an email at the show, uh, make sure you send us the, you might need to send it again. Cause if I haven't gotten back to you, that meant it got caught in the current of emails and spam going through my box and I didn't see it. 
So you can follow us on iTunes. We love those five-star reviews. We're also on Facebook.com forward slash Scuba Obsessed. And the website does get updated. In fact, this episode, about the time you're hearing it, there'll also be the show notes posted, which will be a little different this time since they're Mac show notes. Let us know how you like the show. You can give us comments, uh, feedback at, uh, it would be the show at scubaobsessed.com or there's a comment form on the website. You got anything you want to plug, Mac? No, you're doing a real good job there. And uh, yeah, Mug Club, mugclub.scubaobsessed.com. Uh, and if you like some of the, we, our newsletters, you don't have to be a member to get it. Of course, you can always send us money. But the Mug Club <laughs> newsletter ha- usually has some interesting facts and tips. So I didn't make the club meeting this week. Was there anything that I missed? Uh, I've got to back and think here. Because Mary Beth has been surprised us. She had a contest the month before. Uh, oh, she had another one this time, too. Uh, asking questions about the bridge that we're diving over. Uh-huh. For example, how long are the pilings that go in? Oh, the new ones? Yeah. Oh, how deep were they? I don't know. 80 feet. They go 80 feet. Is that 80, 80 feet, feet below the bottom? Yes. Wow. And how many pilings did they put in? Uh, per... Per, is that is a piling oh, totals for because both sides, uh, you know, for the entry parts, they put 138 pilings. In. Wow! And the pounding was, you know, every they had some periodic vibration from it. It destroyed two houses on the opposite side of the shore than where we're at. It actually tore down a building, an older house. It collapsed it from the subsurface pounding. Really? And damaged another one. Wow! <laughs> and Maribeth said, when the wind was right. And they're about seven miles away. You can hear the thumping at her house. I believe it. So those are little factoids that were quite interesting. Quite yeah, interesting. Yeah. And uh, you'll probably, uh, at some point this year, we'll have photos on either the Scoob Obsess site or the uh, Mug Club site where you'll be able to see the the new bridge. The old bridge had been there for over 120 years. 100 years. Yep. How much? 100 years. 100 years. Yeah. And how about the bridge that's upstream? That one's got to be close to that age, too, isn't it? Yeah, that's getting it to the point. That's probably 80 or 90. Fix one before they do the other. Yeah, because yeah, you don't want to have both out at the same time. No, that'll kill it. Now, was there any goodies found near that site, or were you able to get that close? Well, we're downstream of it, and you will see. We had good viz. I was out doing some photography and some searching down in the swamp area, uh, the archaeological dig. Mm-hmm. I went out there sort of looking around, and... Uh, Visibility was plus three feet in the in the river there, so nice. the river again it's time to be getting out there. Oh, uh, the guys are also getting you know uh, Kevin of course is staying wet on the shallows. Yes, a lot of a lot of the wrecks, the Green Bay that has opened up like he said. You wouldn't believe how much wreck is out there now. See, I've never dove but, the Green Bay, so I, I think I want to try that one. You're talking six foot of water. It doesn't matter to me. I'll dive yeah. it. And of course, I'm I'm going to miss this year, which is the which I really hate, which is Sheboygan trip. Yeah, I can't make that one either. Yeah, that starts uh, next weekend. Matter of fact, yeah, whole week of nothing but shipwrecks and grubbing, and I just drooling, and I hate missing it. Yeah, I think uh, Rich Sinewick and Divers Incorporated is heading up this weekend to uh, the Mackinac Straits. Everybody's been up there, and the video is outstanding. Yes. The visibility looks great. 120 foot, looks like you're seeing 60, 70 feet. Yeah. Tropics in northern Michigan. Absolutely. Maybe and, and, a and chillier the, down there, but hey. You know, it's it's uh, it's easily wetsuit diving. Uh, for a short one. Yeah, you don't want to go into deco. No, no, I would not. And if you're diving deep, like if you're going to do the Cedarville, then no, that's. 
you probably want to do a dry suit. But if you're in that bay there, I've done that. And I, I remember that being pretty comfortable in the wetsuit. Well, Duncan Bay, you're only talking 30-foot max. Yeah. But most of the wrecks, the, the Cedarville's are shallow as you're going to die. Well, then you had like uh, St. Andrew and then what was the Chief? Yeah, you know, the 75 Chief was only 12 or 20 feet. Yeah. The Tug, I was barely underwater. Yeah. But you got to some of the good wrecks out in the deeper part. We're down at 120, 130 or so. Yeah, I, I'm some new ones that are 160, but you can get to the deck at 130. Yeah, I'm, I'm still probably a good four years away from being able to get out there and dive that weekend. Well, but I'm gonna. On, they did get on the Ann Arbor Five. Oh, uh, did they? Yes. Yep. Uh-huh. Visibility was pretty decent. Uh, had a couple of oopsies, like my regulator didn't. Not mine. But Kevin had some issues. But you have your bailout, you're good. It eliminates panic situations. It starved it out. The regulator did. Yeah, because you go down deep, deeper you go, it's harder to breathe. Ann Arbor five with now was it moored? No, it wasn't. They but uh, Bob put out the anchor, hit right on it. Oh, so he's able to snag it then. Yep, snagged it. Nice, because if you can't snag it, then the problem is you typically you don't know where you anchor, and uh, that's the, it's in 160 feet of water. Yeah. So if if you're on a mooring, then uh, recreational divers who can do deep diving down to 125 or 130, uh, I think where it moors to the deck is about 119. Yep. And I think the center of the props is about 115. Now, the lake being deeper this year, it could be a little deeper to those same points. Right. And it's one of the few wrecks you can actually go deeper than the water. Yeah. Because what happened, and, and we've talked about it before, and you can if you go to the MSRA website, uh, they talk about the Ann Arbor 5. It was in the midst of being scrapped. The front of the ship had been uh, cut off. A bulkhead was welded, and they were towing it across the lake to be salvaged. And it flooded, sank, and speared into the bottom. <laughs> so it is like a, like a boat, just like a spear. I mean, if you just lant, threw a lance or a javelin into the ground and it's at an angle, that's what that boat is. And the, the aft end with the prop is up at the top, the highest point. Uh, it's 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 an interesting wreck. It's it's I recommend it, and especially if you're a tech diver or you're just getting into tech diving. You're, you're into the what's that first patty rating? Uh, tech forty. If you're into tech forty, uh, sure, I know I know what you mean though. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's a good dive for that, and it's it's interesting. It's a it was a when it was a full ship before it had been used by the nuclear plant as a breakwater. It hauled train cars. In fact, a lot of the Ann Arbor-numbered vessels, that's what they were. They were uh, cargo carriers of rail cars. Uh, but a nice dive. And, and sometimes Viz can be outstanding. I've I've been, I've seen it to where you're once you get through the thermocline, you could see all the way to the bottom. So I've had over 100 feet of Viz on Ann Arbor before. Oh, well, Max Rec, is, uh, that, that's been hit already. Yeah. Uh, and we've had 80 foot plus on that one. Nice. It's uh, six inches more bottom is visible. Um all the railings where the deck straps come up for the dead eyes are now visible. Nice. And the uh, bottom temperature there was 42. Excellent. So the talk is that they're going to do Max, uh, not Max, right, Havana A and B on Saturday. Yep. And then possibly Sunday they could be doing Havana again. And then depending on conditions and time, maybe down to Max Rec. Yeah. But if the weather's bad on the lake, they will definitely be in the river. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're to that point now where you go, you can go diving. Now, what I like about the river dive is it's so close. Yeah. You don't have a whole ton of prep. You can get in. There's stuff to find. And you got an hour's time easy oh, every yeah. day. Yeah, my wife doesn't like it because I end up bringing a bunch of stuff home that sits in the sink and stuff. 
That's fun. Well, let's... Uh, we, we have a bunch more articles just that Mac had found. I mean, these are some great topics. We'll have to... We'll save them the list and let them grow. Uh, we'll see how we go next week. We're trying to keep things under 90 minutes. Uh, so it's to that time of the show where we do the bad... It's it's scuba jokes, but with fair. I really call these farm jokes this week. So I have a I have a trifecta because they Do kind they of involve animals. They usually involve animals. <laughs> uh, uh, but it, it, there's there's three of them, and I think that each one is gradually worse than the other, and then together they make like a really really bad collection. The trilogy of bad jokes. <coughs> so you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Two farmers are talking to each other over a five-bar gate. When one turns to the others and asks, do your cows smoke? No answered the first one, surprised. Well, then your cow shit is burning. <laughs> Boo. Yeah. yeah. An old farmer's... Sh- yeah, yeah. An old farmer's sheepdog goes missing, and he's inconsolable. Philomena, his wife, says, Patrick, why don't you put an advert in the paper? He does, but two weeks later, the dog is still missing. What did you put in the paper, Philomena asks. Here, boy, Patrick replies. Okay. Dairy farmer John Duffield was milking his cows in Shepperton, Surrey. He had just started to get a good rhythm going when a bug flew into the barn and started circling his head. Suddenly, the bug flew in the cow's ear. Farmer Duffield didn't think much about it until the bug squirted into his bucket. It went in one ear and out the other. That was the third joke. (laughs) (laughs) It's getting really deep out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like being hit by a car and then run over by the car after it. And then the snow plow knocks you off the side of the road. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't think we can really top that. (laughs) (laughs) Is this where we say goodnight, Darren? Yeah, we do. So until next week, go out there and get wet. And stay safe. have anybody hung on out there uh we had no we didn't i wonder if we lost them i said did the jokes do something to them <laughs> yeah, i think talk shoe oh <laughs> i i missed i missed some of them in here uh, uh st louis sam said how deep can you go in the fryer with your certification <laughs> <laughs> till it hurts uh